It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Tottenham and Ajax are through to the final eight of the Champions League. What a week of football we have to dissect on this week's edition of the Gagan Pod. David Wiener with you. Now, I'm joined by three absolutely brilliant panellists today, and we're going to kick off with Paul Ocon. Now, last week, our panellists picked their dream teammates five-a-side, and clearly, you were the winner because Bridgie and Luke Wilkes, you're here this week. Welcome. Good to see you. Nice to see you, Dave. Big morning. Lots to talk about. Thomas, brilliant performance today. Champions League punditry. Off to the consulate. You're still in the country, and you're back for the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Good stuff. Had the Superman cape on this morning to get back to do this. And a very warm welcome for the first time, Craig Moore. Great to see you. Welcome to Optus Sports Gagampod. Great to be here. Love these early mornings. Mate, watching football for how many hours and talking about it, there's worse things to do, isn't there? Much worse. We have boys. Now, what was it? We two massive results to morning. this morning. Obviously, Tottenham got the job done at Dortmund, taking their 3-0 lead and turning it into a 4-0. But, Wow. Real Madrid, Ajax, end of an era, and another chapter in an amazing story that could become a fairy tale as Ajax knocked the back-to-back-to-back champions out. What were your highlights or talking points or call-outs from the morning? Thomas, we'll start with you. No, if we, if we take uh, Real Madrid, I think they got caught up in their, their own arrogance. Uh, you know, I sort of like that a little bit, you know, with, with Ramos coming out and openly admitting that he, he took a yellow card to, to obviously look further down, uh, you know, through the, the tournament. And they got punished the first goal, I think, summed it all up. You know, they got caught in possession. And I guess uh, were just clinical. You know, it's great to see these young players uh, coming through and playing with enthusiasm and energy. And, and they went in there and believed. Um, and, and Real, you know, they were not up to the task yeah, they're missing Ronaldo, but they've got plenty of, of other good players and it just seems to be in, in disarray at the moment and uh, well-deserved, Ajax. Marco Sinzio, Gareth Bale off the bench, thank you very much. And Isco not even involved, so no excuses in that department. Paolo? Um, yeah, I'm a bit like Thomas, but uh, I'll, I'll say the qualification for, for Tottenham. Um, it's, for me, a, a, a massive achievement. If you look at uh, uh, how the season's gone for them, um, they didn't buy a single player. Uh, Pochettino has uh, never complained. Um, it's documented uh, uh, this is off the back of um, the new stadium being built. And for them to be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, to be in third spot, and hopefully they will qualify once again for the Champions League, I think uh, is a monumental achievement uh, uh, for Pochettino and, uh, and Tottenham. Craig? Yeah, I think, look, I'm going to go with uh, the the performance and result from Ajax this morning. Uh, again, a little bit like Thomas. Um, for me, Real Madrid, really in a dark place at this moment in time. Um, but Ajax kind of, you know, reminding me of the, the teams that they used to produce back in the mid-90s, uh, you know, champion, uh, European champions, that kind of level of player. Dutch football for a long, long time, Um has struggled in terms of um, keeping their best young players with teams performing at the at the top level for some time. Um, Ajax have shown in the last couple of seasons that progress um, has been made there, um, and they've got some you know some very exciting players coming through, playing a brand of football that look they're always confident, they're always looking to play the game in the right way, and, and to go and get that uh, you know extremely convincing result there. Uh, this morning, I thought was fantastic. It was history. It was the first time a team has taken a 2-1 lead back home and lost a Champions League knockout. Their first leg, Ajax were exhilarating from the get-go. In this leg, Real Madrid actually had some chances, didn't take them, and then the Ajax side just punished them with scintillating, scintillating play. We'll touch on that in a moment, but we'll just kick off with what was our broadcast game this morning on Optusport, which was Tottenham versus Dortmund. And, and Paul, you talked about the massive overachievement that Tottenham continue to do. But this has come at a pivotal moment in the season where they are on the ropes in the in the Premier League. There was a one-all draw on the weekend to avoid three consecutive defeats and Arsenal are breathing down their neck, Chelsea as well. 
What happens now for Pochettino? I'm not going to even raise the discussion here of um, does this help improve his point and all that because I think that's a I think that's a simple discussion. He he has proved his credentials with what he's done with this team, but he's got a a real challenge now. Room shot at history in the final eight while balancing that quest to stay in the top four. Yeah, look, uh, I I actually think that it'll work in his favour um, in the run in home. Uh, for another Champions League spot. Um, because if they had have gone out this morning, uh, other than the league, that would have been it. Uh, and uh, let's be honest, I don't think they can catch uh, Man City or Liverpool. So at the moment, it's uh, a Champions League quarterfinals that they've got to, to look forward to and to continue to stay in that race uh, to, to qualify again for, for Champions League. So still... A lot to play for for uh, Tottenham. What would it do to his stature? I love the quote Danny Rose said from the weekend, and he said at halftime in the North London derby, Pochettino basically gave them a rousing speech. It was almost like, just go to war, guys. He said he's normally quite calm at halftime, but this time we knew the stakes were high. He's got a huge reputation. We know Real Madrid after him. We know Manchester United are after him. But if there's success here, what does this do for Pochettino? I, I think it will obviously propel him right you know, to the top of of list uh, of managers that's that will be available or might be available, and and uh, you know he seems just to be a, a great man management and you know great at man management. Uh, you know, I'm uh, a friend of of Ericsson and he he always talks highly of him and and everything else you hear like Danny Rose, a player publicly coming out and and backing uh, him. Uh, you know, it's always a good sign, and and we've seen the passion as well over the last coming week. The you know, the, obviously the spat with a with a with a referee, and you know he, he's he's I think he's doing a tremendous job, and, and Paul touched on it. You know, not really any signings, and and um, you know he's in the quarterfinal uh, of the Champions League, so um, yeah, he's he's definitely a top manager. Just a quick one on Ericsson you mentioned, because a lot of people are mentioning the burden that he's uh, holding, particularly with Deli Ali injured, and how he's almost a demonstration of the World Cup. Uh, fatigue and the way that Pochettino is pushing this team as best he can with limited resources. What's your assessment on him and how he can re- go back to his best while still trying to balance this amazing workload that they've got at the moment? I think Ericsson is always best when he's got good players around him. So I think he's he's missing Deli Ali a, a little bit. Um, you know, he's still a, a top player, and there's there's no doubt. You know, the the discussions uh, that we've heard that Real Madrid and potentially a swap it swap deal with with Bale, Bale, Bale going back. You know, I think he will eventually end up at at uh, you know one of the real real top clubs. Not saying Tottenham is mm-hmm. not, but um, you know, I think he's got that sort of quality and X factor. Um, so yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's a player that I think will be very important going forward for Tottenham. This is a moment in time. Real Madrid are out. They've hogged the Champions League in recent years. Juventus, they will be kicking themselves that they're uh, in, not in the, the pole position against Atletico Madrid because this could be their moment. What an opportunity for a Tottenham from Ajax, for an Atletico Madrid, another team to come from the pack, Craig. Can you see this being a time where there is a, a legitimate changing of the guard or, or does Bayern Munich turn around and go, well, this is our time then? Well, I mean, Bayern Munich for us wouldn't really be a surprise, would it? I no. mean, uh, although they they had a, a slow start to the season, um, they, they've managed to to reel Dortmund in on our joint uh, at the top of the table, and and they've got huge experience. But you you would certainly look at you know what's left in the in the tournament there, and um, you know Porto also um, you know got a, a great opportunity. Um, Spurs, yeah, why not? They're 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 at the the pointy end of the of the tournament. You need a little bit of luck. Um, you talk about squad depth. Uh, there's been a lot of pundits out there throughout the season, I guess, questioning, um, you know, Pochettino in terms of the depth of his squad. Um, so you know where they where they're positioned, uh, both in the in the European competition and, and domestically, for me says a, a an unbelievable amount about the type of manager Pochettino is. Um, he's also shown um, some real passion and fight um, and, 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 you know, admitted that he, he possibly pushed the, the boundaries but at the same time come out and, and um, apologise for that. So, look, he, he, he seems from the outside as if he's a fantastic leader. Um, the comments coming from the, the playing group um, reflect that um, and they, they seem as if they're a really, really strong group. Obviously, they've got goals um, this season in, in Kane and, and Son. Um, so, yeah, look, anything is possible. And uh, I think that 
it could you know it could well be the time that maybe one of the giants, um, so to speak, um, you know, aren't going to be left at the end of the season lifting a trophy. It's wide open. It's, it's a sad end for Dortmund, but do they? We're talking about momentum with Spurs domestically. Dortmund are in a, in a spot of bother at the moment. What I mean, Bayern couldn't have had a, probably a worse start to a competition, but uh, are they going to knock Dortmund off, Paolo? Oh, I think so. Um, you know, was it a case of Dortmund being so strong, so good at the start of the season, or was it Bayern suffering uh, from having so many players at uh, at the World Cup? Um, I, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but if you look at recent results, uh, it does seem that uh, the momentum is is with Bayern. But important for, for Dortmund is that Marco Roos is back. Um, you know, he's got 13 goals and... He's a very important player for them, and if they are going to to lift the title, they'll need uh, certainly him to be uh, uh, injury-free at this part of the season and and scoring goals. So Niko Kovac uh, survived his baptism of fire. Julian Lopetegui didn't. Now, maybe by the time we finish recording this, Sancho Solari will have packed his bags out of Real Madrid as well. Um, You talked about the arrogance, but this is a a real end of an era that maybe Zinedine Zidane not only is a, a genius player, genius manager. He can also read the tea leaves too because he got out at the right time. There are, there are really core problems, it seems, at Real Madrid at the moment. Yeah, and I think they've struggled to, obviously to fill the hole after Ronaldo. You know, that's difficult in any <laughs> in any day and age. But, you know, he, he, you know he, he probably saw what was coming. I think already before that, there was a few rifts in the dressing room and I think you got some strong characters, got a lot to say. Ramos, for example, uh, so I think for any manager, unless you are, uh, you know, really, really strong and given the backing from the board, I think you you always having to to thread carefully in and around the dressing room and and uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, it seems like uh, the days are numbered uh, at the moment. And what about Gareth Bale? The reception he's copying from the crowds. The point that his manager came out and said that the the Real Madrid faithful they should be kissing his feet or something along those lines, as opposed to booing him. But that really sums up the atmosphere at the club right now. Yeah, and look, it certainly can't be a nice thing for, for Gareth Bale, you know, for, for the contribution that he's made to, to that football club, um, for me, has is, is been quite incredible, um, you know. But then, you know, I, I think, and I've kind of sort of like seen comments of uh, Antivart coming out saying that he's, he's a quiet, he's a quiet mm. person and maybe doesn't or hasn't integrated um, so well with the, the rest of the squad or, you know, he just kind of does his own thing a little bit. Now... That that can cause issues uh, at times, um, but you know, for for that to sort of like I guess uh, echo towards the supporters and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, with what he's done uh, year in year out, um, scored a hundred mm. goals uh, for Real Madrid, and um, uh, look, he, he would like to whatever time is left, and if he is going to leave, I'm not saying that is the case. He certainly would want to finish that on a, on a positive note. We know that there's going to be people that uh, will certainly be looking for his services. Uh, but as a player, it's it's a certainly not a nice thing to, to be getting. There's always got to be a scapegoat. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah, you know, football is a, a fickle sport. And, you know, he's an easy target. You know, he's, he's at the top. He's earning a lot of money. As as was uh, said, you know, he's, he's probably not the, the guy that's been integrated the best. And he's just... Easy, easy target, and and the fans jumped on on the back, and he he gets the blame. Yeah, easy, e- and he's not a local. He's not a local as well. Yeah. You spoke about the positive story. I actually have to touch on it. Magnificent, this production line that they've got over the years. Um, Yuli Van Gaal said that this team has the potential to be as good as his winners from 1995. He said that a couple of months ago. Um, they look that way, but of course, De, uh, De Jong is on his way to Barcelona. De Ligt, everyone says, will follow suit. Um, you feel like this is their one shot in time to create history, to create something very, very special. Uh, I just want to get your guys' recollections of any, you know, your interaction with Ajax and a comment on just how magnificent this performance is uh, in context of the Champions League final. They haven't done this in 22 years. Can someone remind me, did, who tipped Ajax this morning? (laughs) Don't know. Don't know. Come on, Maury. Uh, yeah, you, you called it, Paolo. All right, okay. You're spot Paolo. on. You did. Uh, <laughs> but but you, you, didn't, you didn't get correct score, so. Look, um, it's an incredible performance. Uh, and, and I think you mentioned it before that uh, um, it's sort of rewritten history here. Uh, no one expected them to go to the Bernabeu uh, and, and win the game. 
let alone uh, qualify uh, uh, into the quarterfinals. And and to do that away from home in a against a, a team as strong as Real Madrid, it, in a stadium that it's very 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 intimidating, certainly for a number of young players at Ajax have who who don't have that experience of these big games. I, I think it says a lot, and and it's a real um, you know question whether or not uh, they have what it is or what's needed uh, to go on and uh, and and be real contenders for for this uh, title. It's. What is the secret to this club? Uh, I actually read a a fantastic article that said before the season uh, that the core of the team was sat down and said, have a look at this history. You've got the chance to do something like this this year and then you will go on and flourish and, 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 you know, spread your wings elsewhere. What's the secret, Thomas, um, that makes this club able to produce time after time after time? I, th- I think it's a, a clear philosophy. I think they've had that for, for many years. They've had a, a way of playing, a way of educating players from a young age. And, you know, you know, from a Danish perspective, I, I nearly joined Ajax. I, I was in talks with Ajax before I ended up in England. And, and uh, you know, the amount of Danish players that's gone there, we, we, you know, we, we talk, touched about, uh, you know, Tottenham. Ericsson was there. Uh, now they've got Schoener, they've got Dolberg. You know, they, they've, you know, there's a great tradition there and, and also for Dutch players uh, you know it's it just seems to be the you know it, it's a it's been a, a role model for many clubs I think a lot of clubs have adopted that uh, philosophy of of educating and it's probably they've been a selling club hopefully now you know they can keep this group maybe for for at least <laughs> this year and then hopefully in the in you know years to come and then that's going to be the hard thing for them, but delict and De Jong, and mm. if they can keep them and others, and then even the players that don't develop, like Dusan Tajik, who they bought for twenty million Aussie dollars last year from Southampton, he's just been on fire for them. I think the stat was thirty-seven involvements in goals in forty-one games, goals or assists. Um, Craig, you had a night out with uh, Mark Over Overmars one day in your career. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a good night out, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I kind of so. Back in the Champions League, 95, the, the year that they won it, um, you know, the the Overmars, the De Boers, um, Danny Blind's father, in fact, um, Van der Sard in goal. Um, but this was, uh, this team is starting to show signs of the that type of, of quality um, in terms of just... The way that they play football, the tempo, the the, the patterns. Look, we, we know what Dutch football is like, but... It, now to, to be able to have that that cutting edge, to be able to um, you know go away from home and, and to beat a Real Madrid four one that, that's a that's a huge statement. It really is. Um, the problem I think in Dutch football, um, and not so much my opinion, but also speaking to a lot of people from Holland, is that the better players were allowed to leave their clubs a little too young, a little too young in in the last five to ten years, and and, and therefore probably weren't equipped or didn't have the tools to go on and excel like the uh, the previous generation that were, were able to go and, and play at the very, very best clubs in the world. So I think there was a real push to try and keep um, and nurture these uh, A group of players, Ajax in particular here, where you know they can keep a group of players together for you know five to seven years um, and at the same time they will get their benefits and they will get their moves as we've discussed in terms of the players and again the clubs that are being mentioned. So they seem to have got it right. It's it's again it's being able to reproduce that because it will be a year or two seasons and and this team will will also break up again. Mm. Lessons I wonder for us and also um, yeah you wonder whether this is their their, their one shot in time. Gents, we're only going to touch quickly on tomorrow's fixtures because many of our listeners might listen to this on Thursday or Friday, but it's of course Manchester United's trip to Paris Saint Germain to try pull back that two nil uh, deficit. Um, Highly unlikely uh, objective, despite Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying that it's not mission impossible. And Porto Roma, which is hugely delicately poised at 2-1. Porto got the key away goal late on, which means this one is very, very hard to split. Quick tips from you guys. Can anyone see Manchester United boiling over? This is pretty quiet. No one, no one's really... No. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like I said, I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come out and, um, you know, and given the right messaging and what have you but I think that the the squad is is heavily depleted domestically they've been unbelievable but this I think will be a little bit too um far for them yeah and uh, Porto Roma interesting game because two teams not in the right frame of mind from the weekend but uh, what an opportunity for them to be a joker in the pack going forward you they're probably the team you'd love to draw 
that are going to be there, and that's one more than some others can say. Rightio, then give us an answer. Ah, Craig, you're loving the new, your first sample of these high-tech links between our two segments, which I know Paolo absolutely loves, uh, where we go through a range of topics in the world of football. First up, how funny or how good was this? Well, or how ridiculous was it? Mario Balotelli live streaming a goal celebration is... Embarrassing. Look, uh, uh, I understand today the world of social media and the impact that it, it's had on, on everyone, especially uh, young people, but come on, let's be honest. You've know, you you you've scored a goal, go and celebrate it with your teammates. And the thing that, uh, that um, sort of doesn't sit well with me is that it's premeditated. So he's obviously um, given his mobile phone to, to uh, someone behind the goal, which he should be thinking about the game. He should be thinking about... Uh, um, what his coach wants him to do. He should be thinking about so many other things other than uh, um, grabbing his mobile and live streaming uh, his celebration. So uh, it's not something that uh, um, that sits well with me, but hey, um, I guess that's uh, the modern uh, uh, player these days. Yeah, and to, to me, it, it, it really sums him up as a player and as a career. You know, it's... It's probably why he's he's playing where he is. He's not at at, at the top club. That's why he he didn't succeed at at uh, Man City and uh, also trouble with with the uh, Italian national team. You know, to me, I, I'm a bit old school. And, and like Paul said, you know, it, it, that's too selfish. It's, it's it's all about him. It's not about the team. Uh, it, you know, why focus on that? What's the next thing? Will he have a, a mobile phone during the game? Is he going to make Instagram during corner kicks? Yeah, live stream the coaches talk? You know, like, you know it, it, it has a place off the field. Yeah. And and he's brought it on the field. And to me, uh, it doesn't belong in, in the game. Imagine the, the, the gaffer says, go out, warm up, get your bib on. What's that? Take the mobile phone out of your hand. I mean, had the audacity to run onto the field and actually place it there. At least he thought he was going to score. That's a positive. All right. Mohamed Salah at the moment is... Oh, one word. Um, trying. I'll go with trying. It says a bit. Yeah, I mean, you'd expect that, in all fairness, as a professional footballer. But, um, you know, what I'll say about uh, Liverpool is... They, they have played for the large part such a, a, a really attractive brand of football and have always had that, that, that kind of cutting cutting edge. Um, look, um, for Mo Salah, the, the, the thing is, like a couple of seasons uh, ago, the form that he was in, um, that's what people remember and they know, they know that, that higher of what, he, what he's able to produce. And, um, you know, he's still, we've seen glimpses at Liverpool, uh, they're probably going through a little bit of a, a tough spell at this particular moment in time. Um, and, and like I says, when, you, when you're a professional football player and things are happening automatically, that's, that's when you're in your purple patch, yeah? Like, so when Salah was banging in those goals week in, week out, hitting all sorts of records, he wouldn't have even been thinking about that. It just happens, uh, you know, automatically. You boys would have experienced it in times of your life. Maybe you're picking things out of the top corner, big fella. Paolo strolling through, Libero picking out passes. But he, he would have hit that form where he's probably maybe now thinking a little bit more about it. You, you try a little bit harder. Um, at times it can be a little bit forced. And at times it, beca- it can be because the actual team as a whole isn't free-flowing. Um, but we know the quality that Mohamed uh, Salah has. Um, and he's someone that I'm sure, uh, you know, presents himself always very well, very humble, uh, and he's always going to give his best to that team. They always say it's at least you want to be uh, having having the chances created and uh, rather not having them at all. And he's uh, missed the second most big chances, that new stat in the Premier League behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So 13 of those. He's got one goal in his last six, but you can imagine if one of those falls, maybe things will start to fall back into place. Okay, the best player outside the Premier League's top six is at the moment... Oh, there's there's a few, but I think uh, Wolves are, are doing such a, a great job, and and Neves, uh, I think he's he's been uh, uh, fantastic in, in midfield. Uh, he's 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 done great for Portugal. Um, so so yeah, for him and for for me, um, you know, he's been vital for for, for them, and uh, maybe a little bit un- underrated. You know, he's he's not uh, you know one that's you know heavily talked about, but I think people in the know uh, they see his importance mm. and. Uh, 
Yeah, I threw that one in because uh, Wilfred Zaha, who scored a, just a, a jaw-dropping goal on the weekend, he's been linked with Borussia Dortmund from Crystal Palace, uh, a replacement for Christian Pulisic, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, his teammate, the right-back that's uh, a revelation this season, he's been linked with Bayern Munich. So uh, they're two players in the lower half that will be very hard for their clubs to hold on to. They're both on reasonably long-term contracts as well. I guess that just goes to show you how well Sancho's done because that's probably opening doors for other English players now to go to the Bundesliga. Um, and what's... Uh, um, even more uh, incredible is that Sancho's only 18 years old and he's already, I think he's played 20 games so far in the Bundesliga season. So uh, I guess that's what happens when a, an English player goes uh, abroad and does well, then it opens up the market for uh, opportunities for other uh, other boys. And and to be fair, like they have been uh, applauded. Uh, Zork, I think, at Dortmund was saying that right now the English players and the academies and the resources and the structures that are in place is, is superior to, to Germany. And... and you know, something slightly different. You've also got, uh, you know, Nelson that went from that's Arsenal that's also performing well in the Bundesliga. You've had hudson Adoy being linked to, to Bayern Munich. Um, it's not going to stop with, with with just these players. Um, you know, a lot of these bigger clubs uh, that, that have got 30, 40 players that are out on loan, this is going to be a trend. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I don't know how long it's going to last for, but expect to see more young English players that can't get a a game for their first team, yet can go over to the Bundesliga, which we know is a top, top league, and shine. Uh, um, Rio Ferdinand was the latest to encourage Phil Foden from Manchester City, who is a prodigious talent, but he said he's the next one that should look to, to get up and move on just to get on the park um, to get some more minutes under his belt and show his talent. He said what? We touched on... <laughs> there's another one for you, boy. <laughs> love it, love it. Now, earlier this morning, uh, Jose Mourinho was very timely on the Be In Sports punditry circuit, um, talking about his love of Spain and the job he did at Real Madrid and would he ever go back. He's been doing a few appearances there at the moment, and this is what he had to say on the weekend when praising Ivan Rakitic. But we'll see what you think about what he says uh, with inference. Famir Rakitic is one of the most underrated players in in the world because normally we speak about the big names and Famir Rakitic you know he needs to improve his Instagram and his social media because in this moment this is very important this is very important and he's not very good on that he's very good on the pitch come on can he just not talk straight does he can he not let go <laughs> yeah no he, he seems to have uh, you know obviously uh Something happened there at Manchester United and then obviously Pogba is sort of in between the lines that the guy that he's potentially aiming this at. You know, I, you know, my problem with Mourinho is that, um, you know, he's, he's he's obviously been a great coach for, for years and he's had great success. You can't take that away from him. But, you know, he's he's given out this, you know, dig at, at media. and uh, but, but I think his problem has been that that persona that he created, I think, has just taken him over. You know, over the last two or three years, he's a puppet to himself. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it, you know, he's just become, you know, he's been sort of swallowed up by this persona, and and uh, everyone can see it. I don't know if he can see it himself, uh, and I think it's just destroyed. Um, you know, his, you know, whatever went on at United, and and he's obviously a big character, and and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, yeah. I think if, if I was himself. a player and, and and I saw that going on every week, you know, it, it would definitely you know I would lose something. What would happen if he walked into the Real Madrid dressing room next season? <laughs> no, it seems like he, he, you know that he has a chance. You yeah. know, the, from what he's he's saying, <laughs> you know, it, 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 I think it it would be hard. Uh, you know, I think he needs to think, uh, rethink himself a little bit, and then come back and and. Uh, do what he's good at, and that's coaching. Any career flashbacks here, fellas? Uh, a coach that uh, you just couldn't let go of? Who's going to go first? Paolo, you had a cracker earlier on. Yeah, look, I sort of had a bit of an incident with um, uh, Steve McLaren at the time um, when I was at Middlesbrough. 
Um, it was a, an away fixture at Newcastle, and it was, I think, minus 25 degrees, <laughs> and it was the game was done and dust. I think we were behind 3-0, and he put me on for the last two minutes, and uh, uh, Newcastle counted, and I was in midfield, and, and if I, I reckon if I'd have turned and sprinted, um, I would have torn a hamstring, and I wasn't going to do that. So I sort of jogged, and they ended up getting the fourth goal. Uh, and after the game in the change room, he... Uh, tried to make me the scapegoat in, in front of uh, my teammates. So I sort of launched myself what? at him. Hang on, I'm just taking a step back here. <laughs> it's all right, Dave. You got your shin pads on. <laughs> I launched at him across uh, the massage table and, um, yeah, it was broken up pretty quickly, but certainly not something that uh, that I um, you know appreciated him trying to humiliate me in front of my teammates. Tell you what, you must have been wound up eh, for you to launch, <laughs> launch across. Such a nice man <laughs> going for right. circus. There must have been some fire in the belly there. You must have said... I, I had a I had a situation. I mean, we've touched on I think a couple of times the the word scapegoat, um, and and that's what it kind of it kind of is at times. Um, coming to the end of my time at Newcastle, um, realised I wasn't getting a, a an extension of, of the contract, but you're still committed to the cause, and 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 you, you give your all, of course. And I remember getting taken off uh, by by Glen Roder uh, away to Portsmouth. We started off the game poorly. Um, Got the got the hook early doors, which you never like as a player, but you get in and and be as professional as you can because you you want to make sure that the you know the team can do well. Nothing was said at half time, and we we did have some some words uh, the the following Monday, um, which yeah they were they were they were kind of harsh a, li- a little bit from from myself and you know I, I think I lost a, a little bit of respect for for Glenn Roder because of. Um, for me, I would have much appreciated or, or respected more if he said, by the way, Maury, you were rubbish, and that's why you were off. It kind of was like a little bit scapegoatish, like that we'd had a discussion about a contract. We knew that that, that wasn't uh, that go, uh, going to happen, but it was easy for him to use that as an excuse as to why he made the substitution, but he didn't have the bottle to do it when I believe he should have. Um, safe to say I didn't last too much longer <laughs> at the club. It was at the, it was at the back end of the season, so I probably ended up leaving a, a couple of weeks short. Oh, good stuff. Hey, Thomas, uh, keepers don't have enemies, do they? But I'm going to throw... <laughs> I'm going to throw another he said what at you and, and we might be talking sledges or we might be talking a similar situation. I love this from Sergio Regulian uh, to Luis Suarez during El Clasico on the weekend. I mean, this is all reported, markers, lip readers and whatever, but we'll go with the creative line anyway. And he turned to me and said, don't touch me, don't touch me. Man, you are so ugly. You really are ugly. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a point. It's <laughs> <laughs> truth of defence. Um, <laughs> Now, being in goals, you would have stood over a lot of people, but did anyone try to look up at you and put you off your game? I think, first of all, you get sledged by, by everyone behind the goal all the time. Uh, <laughs> I've been called anything from, uh, you know, Danish bacon to, uh, yeah, whatever you, you, you can you can find out. But, uh, yeah, I, I had an incident. We, we played a, a derby against uh, Newcastle and... and uh, Little uh, Craig Bellamy. Uh, Little and, and Craig Bellamy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very annoying. Uh, went up in at every corner during this game. Went up to me, didn't even look at the ball, and he was just in my ear, you know, talking about, oh, I saw your last game, you were rubbish, you, you, you're not going to come for this ball. And I, you know, at the end, I just... Yeah, I just shrugged him off and and uh, pushed him away. But you know that those those players are it can be annoying, and it it I tried not to to let it get under my skin, but I got a little bit <laughs> uh, uh, distracted from it, and and you know that's what some players do. That, that's why I know I was only part cocky because that's what my own teammates were telling me. So it didn't really <laughs> got in my head. Uh, all right, guys, would you rather Manchester City's running Watford, Fulham, Cardiff? Palace, Spurs, United, Burnley, Leicester, Brighton. Liverpool's running. Burnley, Fulham, Tottenham, Southampton, Chelsea, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Wolves. Would you rather be City or Liverpool? I'd rather be City being one point in front and having that psychological advantage, which I think uh, is massive now. And you just have to think back to a few weeks ago or maybe a month and a half ago when... Uh, Liverpool played Man City and had Liverpool have won, the, 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 the gap would have been 10 points. And, and in such a short space of time, Man City have brought that back and reversed that. They now have a one-point lead. So um, 
regardless of uh, of who uh, either team is playing in the run in the run home uh, to win the title. I just I think that Man City's got that momentum at the right time of the season, and um, for me, are favourites. And I think also of late they have that historical advantage a little bit. You know, Liverpool haven't won the title for a long time. You know, everyone remembers Gerrard slip, and you know when they were so close. And and, and this is another time. You know. They're so close again, and and you know these small things creep up, and people will keep mentioning it, and it just brings you know, like the scrutiny we can hear now. You know, with club, every word will be, uh, you know, looked at. Everything that comes out of of the the Liverpool dressing room and and how they play will will be analysed, and it it's a not it's a pressure that's not on Man City because they have won, they have titles of late. Uh, and and they have sort of come from behind where nobody sort of uh, people had written them off. So so that's that's a massive advantage. You mentioned people looking at what Klopp's saying, and this time it was the wind. It was the ball boy that he uh, had a little you know tete a tete with, which is all part of the theatre. But he did he did do that in the scheme of the season. Two nil alls at your fiercest rivals. Is that is that going to get them through the season, or do you think in those moments they will look back and go in those games in the context of those games we could have gone for more. And you know, it's always a balance. You know, he, you obviously don't want to lose, but I think club's intention is to go on and win every game. I, I don't think there's uh, you. Can, you can always uh, throw caution to the wind, and 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 then if you get beat, uh, there's also something wrong with that. I think it's just a. At the moment, it's just everything is is just over analyzing uh, things, and and they're not getting the results. You know, they 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 were so good early in the season, and at the moment they're sort of hidden a little bit of a, a bumpy. Bumpy stretch and uh, and the pressure is just mounting and that's that's why we're talking about this. Absolutely, and we will for the next two to three months. One more here, just based on some rumours out of uh, the the very trustworthy Gazetta in Italy and and whatnot. Romelu Lukaku or Mauro Icardi? If you had to choose between these two, if a swap is on, jeez, where does that come from? <laughs> Icardi, who's um, saying that he has a sore knee and refusing to train. I wonder where that's come from. Yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. coming from um, Mrs. Icardi, Wanda. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, his agent. Um, oh, look, I think if uh, uh, if I was Lukaku, then I would um, definitely not be in for a swap because he's found uh, a bit of form and, and scoring goals and um, playing with a smile again on his face. Yeah, absolutely. And he's actually got a goals per minute ratio this year that's uh, that's higher than Salah. And the form he showed on the weekend was absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure Icardi can actually leave Italy because his wife's custody battle with uh, Maxi Lopez's kids means that she actually can't leave the country. So I don't know how she's going to broker a deal for Icardi to go abroad. Yeah, that that one kind of like it says it looks as if there's some an undercurrent of activity there around about the Icardi one. Lukaku, when he's on song... I think he's unplayable. He's physically such a such a strong pl- player. When he has form, and, and I think that he's experiencing an upside that virtually every Manchester United player is experiencing under uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, but big, strong, powerful, knows how to score goals. Um, for me, I, I'm with Lukaku as well. Yeah, look, I think that's a bit of a smokescreen because Beppe Marotta, who's the... Direttore Sportivo at Inter Milan was at Juventus. Um, and there's a bit of bad, bad blood there. And there is real talk that Juventus want Icardi. So this may be Juventus's way of trying to smoke screen it and then come round the back. Yeah, just a bit of cooking in the, late in the run, media. Late, late run to the far post, as Mori used to do, and, <laughs> yeah. and sign Icardi. <laughs> Watch this space. That won't go away. No doubt about it. Ray Rash. Some stuff from the local game. We're going to whiz through these because we could spend an hour on it and just quietly we might do in due course. Thomas, if I say two words to you, uh, what do you say in return? If I say Bruno Fornaroli and Melbourne City? Ah, uh, disaster. I think, uh, you know, it, it's 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 very unfortunate how, how it's unfolded. You know, I think... Um, the big problem is that um, you got a player that you've decided to make your marquee. You've you've paying him a handsome amount of money, uh, and and in in my world, uh, that that should be the player you sort of build your team around, and and he should be the cornerstone. And uh, and things have just gone, uh, you know, pear shaped. Uh, you know, the two parties for for a long while couldn't see eye to eye, and and uh, you know. Whoever sort of uh, 
you know, is 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 the guilty uh, party? It's it's hard to say, but but I think that the the worst thing is that you know he's now not at the club. You know, he's going to Perth. He's going to uh, um, Perth, who's you know with with a with an agenda, I presume to to want to prove uh, everyone at at Melbourne City wrong, or, or at least Warren Joyce. Uh, and that's you know that's not what you want to see. I think he he's been so good at at Melbourne City for for a long time, and and, and fan favorite. You know, it, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the club. Thank goodness he'll stay in the competition. But what a waste of a season for Melbourne City with Bruno Fornaroli, Australian football and technical director. Who? When? When? Yeah. Uh, look, for me, this um, this whole saga around about the the football technical director um, has been handled poorly. Um, for me, it's it's been um, maybe not nine months. Paolo has been is close to nine months in terms of when Erica Brams uh, has left the the FFA. In the meantime, we've had. Um, you know we have we've had changes to senior national team Matildas from who and where are these decisions being made um, because they're certainly not being made by by football people um, so for me we need to address this and and I've sort of like read recent reports that it's it's on the verge of of being announced for me it took far too long it's the most it's the most important position. Um, in football in this country, you know, I know that the, the head coach of the national team is is an important role, but the the, the TD in terms of um, the development, the philosophy, the way forward, uh, and at the same time to to be able to oversee all um, national teams, I think is is vital. Um, I don't know where I sit, where, where whether or not it should be an Australian or, or whether we should still um, go overseas. Again, everyone keeps coming back to, to these kind of positions or any kind of position, it has to be the right person for the job, you know, with the qualifications and all that sort of stuff. I kind of, I guess, maybe think it a, a little bit differently. The qualifications, of course, very, very important. But how can we, how can we connect? How can we um, have better uh, relationships? How can we allow um, better pathways for our players to get to the next level? I, I think if it's Australian, we, we struggle for that. I really do, you know. I think you look at the World Cup, um, and Bomber as, as the assistant and then you look at after the World Cup and we have Trent Sainsbury and, and Aziz Bayic signed for PSV that's what can happen when you have the right qualified person in the right position that has connections that's kind of the way I see it it's just my opinion I'm not saying it's, it's right, or, right or wrong I don't know what you guys feel yeah, I can I can only give my sort of take as a foreigner. Uh, you know, looking looking at it, and uh, for me, this is you know, having seen, having experienced Australian football and the structure, and and uh, you know, to me, a system that is not really working to the benefit of the future of Australian football. I think this role needs to be taken so seriously. Um, you know, you need a a guy coming in, a, a really strong person that's given. That you put full trust in. You, 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 he comes in with a with a vision. You back that person, uh, not not pick someone who you're comfortable with, someone you can control. Because I think that's a little bit, you know, the the problem in, in Australian football. Every, everyone, you know, want to be comfortable with each other, and you know, everyone is looking after themselves. You know, he, this guy uh, needs to come in and, and just give him a, a blank check, uh, not uh, <laughs> financially, blank but no, here yeah, blank canvas, yeah. and and really just. Just giving room to put out this idea and and giving a backing from everyone to to do it because something needs to happen if we want to see a a Socceroos team back to you know the best of uh, was it two thousand and six when when um, they went to the quarterfinals was it yeah, yeah. round of sixteen oh, round of sixteen yeah and Paul is it is it the key to unlocking a vision and continuity so we're not jumping from appointment to appointment is this is this the appointment that can at least put a blueprint together that we know what we're working towards? Yeah, look, I think that's very, very important. Um, uh, look, I, I agree with Maury. I, I think it should be the right person, whether it's an Australian, um, whether that person is Australian or, or, or from overseas. But, I, look, I, I do think that um, the direction of football in this country now with A-League clubs having academies, I think A-League clubs have to assume a, a big 
responsibility, probably a, a bigger responsibility um, because uh, ultimately everywhere else around the world, it's not the federation that's responsible uh, to develop players. It's uh, the clubs through their academies. And then when these young players go into the junior national teams, the job of, of, the, of the national teams is to showcase their players. Um, whereas uh, I just get the feeling that it's a bit too easy to be um, saying, well, it's FFA's responsibility to, to b- produce players. Nowhere in the world is it the, the local federation. It's down to, to the club. So I, I think that uh, not only is it important to, um, to get this person right uh, um, in terms of the direction of our national teams, because that's what the TD should be responsible for, is oversee the national teams. The job of producing players now should be down to the A-League clubs who have academies. Interesting stuff. We will pick this discussion up in due course because it is key to what is going on in the local game at the moment. Oh, here's a good yarn. But we're going to end off with a bit of fun because, as I said at the start, Paul Ocon is here as the round-robin winner from last week by default because Bridgie and Luke Wilkshire have been knocked off their perch. Paolo looking around now, just doing some scouting. Paolo, but while the others finalise their dream teammates five-a-side with the option of a marquee if they want it, uh, do you want to remind everyone, what, if they didn't listen last week, what yours was? I had Mark Schwartz ring goals, but I did say he needs to uh, assess his uh, choice in scarves. Uh, but I'll take Schwartzy. I had Nesta and Mihailovic as my two defenders and obviously Mihailovic to take set pieces. Rui Costa as as a midfielder slash number 10. And up front I had this guy, he he struggled to score goals more. I think his name was Batistuta. Yeah, no, he struggled. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow Bridgie won the poll on Twitter, but I know he was sitting there refreshing it a hundred times because he even admitted defeat in the podcast. Maury, are you going to get one over... Paolo in this five aside. I don't know whether I'm. I mean, we'll leave that to other people to decide. Um, but I've I've jotted down a few names here, and I think uh, it's looking not too bad. Can I include myself? Are you meant to include yourself? Or you? What, how did? Br- Bridgie put himself on the bench, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably have myself on the bench, but I've just done this quickly. I would have um, Stefan Kloss in goals. Um, fantastic, fantastic goalkeeper, unbelievable shot stopper. Uh, as a defender, he gave me so much confidence knowing that you had a, a goalkeeper like that. Richard Goff, Richard Goff was a fantastic captain, fantastic leader, um, the ultimate professional and somebody who um, I really looked up to as a football player, you know, similar journeys, um, fantastic. I I struggled with the the, the forward two positions, so I went for uh, Paul Gascoigne. (laughs) (laughs) I went went for Gascoigne and Brian Loudrup. Um, Now... These two can just do whatever they want because they were so damn good at doing whatever they wanted. Um, yeah, now very fortunate to play with these two, two players. Loudrup, oh, I mean, Thomas, you know all about all about Loudrup. I mean, he, he just glided by players. Uh, he was he was beautiful to watch. Um, you know, defenders knew what he's he was able to do. He's kind of I don't know whether it's possible. He seemed quicker with the ball than what he did without it. You know, he just seemed he just moved so effortlessly with the ball. Gascoigne. Like says, give him a ball, um, and and he he was just amazing. He could do anything in a game of football. I, that's I don't know. It's not bad. It's spending a bit, Paolo? It could get extra time. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite Gaza story, Craig? Oh, <laughs> hang on. Oh my word! Need time to think that one over. I, well, I've got I've got one. He Gaza come into to Ibrox into the dressing room one day after. Um, his teeth weren't the best. He, he, he had a bit of a slanted rack, um, and he's coming. He's coming one day, and he's uh, he's coming. He, he's had tombstones like Shergar. They were absolutely massive, um, and the boys have lost it. And Ali McCoy's has given him an absolute ribbon, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we've gone out. We've we, we've trained that day, and, and Walter Smith has brought us in as a group, and we're having a, a meeting. Um, I think it was game day minus one. So all the photographers and all that sort of stuff are there filming that final short, sharp session. Um, everyone's looking about, couldn't see Gascoigne. He's 20 metres away on his hands and knees eating the grass like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> With his teeth that he's come over and he's had a bit of a chuckle. It's fair to say that afternoon, straight to the dentist, filed down to a normal size. But um, yeah, no, we had some good times and it's probably one of the cleaner Gascoigne stories. Very much so. Thomas? Well, a Gascoigne story. Oh, if you got one. <laughs> What do you bring into the table? Um, like oh, team wise, um, you know, I think uh, 
Peter Michael in goal. Uh, I think we, uh, you know, whatever he he did for for Denmark and and also for for my career, you know, he he opened everyone's eyes to to Danish goalkeepers. So uh, thank you for that. Um, I would uh, go with a, uh, a Swede and a Dane at the back, uh, Joachim Björklund, um, that I played with uh, at Sunderland, uh, and Martin Lawson, uh, both top defenders. And then uh, midfield, uh, probably have, uh, it could be Michael Laudrup or Christian yeah. Eriksen. Um, uh <laughs> It's a tough choice, uh, all-time legend, and one that probably will compete with him in the future. So, yeah, I mean, why not go with both of them, um, and then uh, let them uh, do the business, uh, inter- interchanging. You know, they can create chances, they can score goals, and and uh, you know, I would I would love to fit in uh, Kevin Phillips, who I played with at Sunderland, who won the Golden Boot in our first year in, in the Premiership, but in ninety nine two thousand when he had a, a fantastic season. Um, Best goal scorer I've ever seen, played with, probably up there with like a Harry Kane. Uh, you know, never, never, never missed. It. That's how he felt. He always uh, hit the target. Um, but yeah, we only got room for five. So uh. <laughs> on the bench, it's Schmeichel in a five-a-side goal. I just, I've just tried to get one past him there. What was the best advice or thing you learned off him coming through the ranks? You know, but he was. Uh, he, just just his you know just watching him i think that that was uh, you know he's obviously he helped i was uh, he invited me to manchester united for uh, for a week of training uh, you know I had a chance to 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 go to manchester train with the likes of Scholes and beckham and and that taught me huge uh, huge amount of of things and and also you know he um uh, he was you know, he was there with me when I came into the to the national team. So, so it 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 was more watching him, his aura, his, you know, his his you know, just how he he sort of carried himself. I think that was um, you know a huge part of of something. And I sort of stood in the wings and and took notice and and tried to pick up a few things. Amazing! What an aura you can just see it through the television. To be up close of it must have been absolutely inspiring. Gents, I've chewed your ears off for long enough. That flew by. Thank you for joining us. But the action. Does not stop on Optus Sport. As I mentioned, Champions League Thursday morning. The Europa League Friday morning. Chelsea versus Dinamo Kiev is our headline game. Live streamed on Twitter as well. Plus Rennes versus Arsenal. Napoli versus Salzburg. And I'm really looking forward to Eintracht Frankfurt versus Inter. I think that's the most evenly poised tie of the morning. And then the Premier League round concludes with Arsenal versus Manchester United. Monday morning. It just doesn't stop. Gents, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure. Been great fun, and until the next Gagan Pod, as always, enjoy your football. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.